What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I'm here with Anthony, and we are discussing The Stand Episode 6. Um, I'm going to start. <laughs> I mean, both of us are laughing. I'm going to start off by saying I watched this episode and I had one phrase that kept going through my mind and that was, what the fuck am I watching? The whole episode, that was literally the thread that went through my mind. Like I messaged Anthony because he he watched it uh, the night before I did. And I was like, oh my God, I can't wait till we talk about this. <laughs> because I have so many things to say. Yeah, I was literally having a drink when your text message came in and I, I actually had a spit take. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Because the thing is, we were watching it, we watched it earlier that day and my, my wife, she, she likes the show. It doesn't bother her as much. Oh, now she's your wife. She's not the person that lives <laughs> in your house with you that's related to you by marriage. <laughs> and I, I, I'm only saying that because I was sitting there looking at her like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> what is happening right now? She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, now, is she familiar? You, is Michelle familiar with the the book in the she the she, she she never read the book. Okay. She said she did watch the 1994 version, but she doesn't remember it. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. So, so it's almost like she's looking at it with a fresh pair of eyes. Right. Like, so sometimes okay. I have to look at it. I, I try to get that perspective from her by saying, you know, if if we step back, because we do it a lot, we compare it to the show. The, the previous show, we compare it to the books. How does it look to someone who either doesn't remember, which I almost think they're counting on, right. <laughs> versus, you know, or someone who doesn't know anything about the source material. And again, she was just like, now like, oh, okay, this is interesting. To her, it's interesting and it's entertaining, mm -hmm. but I'm tortured. Right, <laughs> just, and you know what? If I wasn't familiar with the story, I would probably enjoy it a lot more too. But like there were certain parts now, of the show. The, there are some things that I as I can't let them get away with. Mm -hmm. Even just based on even if you don't, even if you ignore the source material. Okay. I, I, I'm gonna start out with this. Okay. Did you ever see a Tropic Thunder? Yes. Okay. I was told I can't say this, but do you remember what what he told? Uh, I can't remember what was it Robert Downey Jr.'s character told. Um, what's his name about the movie he did where he played? It was like of Mice and Men. I don't remember. It's you don't been remember. a long time since. And I and it's not politically correct to say this word anymore, but to never go full blank, you know, starts with an R. Right. And it's like they went full right just all out like you know and the thing is at my note i'm just gonna say this i know you want to get into how it started or whatever but the trash can man in the original is not this and i was sitting here thinking 
is this the same people who wrote Tom Cullen's character? Like, even just within the confines of the show, are, are these the same people that took a lot of care in his portrayal and in his lines and, you know, his mental disability that, that, that wrote Trash Can Man? It's like, wh- what are you doing? What, I mean, how, okay, how offensive is it? Like, physical and mental disability, it's like, if you're going to do it, why you go to this extreme where it just doesn't seem like you put any thought or care into creating the character, especially how you did with Tom Cullen. You, because in the, he's, he's complete, okay, it's almost like he's completely like insane and gone. Like he's almost portrayed as not even being human. It's almost subhuman. And I find that very offensive. And I'm just going to say it and leave it at that. Okay. I actually had a different take, a different take on Trash Can Man because I remember, I think I remember his description and the way he was supposed to be from the books as opposed to what he was in the original miniseries. And Trash Can Man's character, for those of you who don't know, Trash Can Man is basically a power maniac. I mean, if you didn't get it in this episode, I mean, that's literally what his character is. And I believe in the book, he was described as being somewhat, um, I don't want to say mutilated, but he did kind of sort, I believe, set himself on fire playing with you know playing with matches or playing with whatever he was playing with gasoline whatever he just he was kind of out there as far as the character and I believe if I remember correctly his character had actually been um institutionalized a couple of times because of his uh pyromania so him being somewhat mentally challenged didn't come across that way for me in this in this show I think maybe they pushed it a little too far but he kind of sort of the way that they introduced his character it kind of it kind of felt a little true to the character for me as far as what I remember from the book okay okay given that Mm-hmm. We also have to tell ourselves the book was written 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we have come a bit as far as our understanding of mental disabilities and its portrayal in media mm-hmm. and the dangers of, of taking it too far. And the in in the book yes he had some physical de- deformity and in the original miniseries he did not as far as i can remember i don't think matt fury did that he did not he did not not but, until, not until towards the end with the the radiation but yeah right but also in the book i know we're going to get to it but the reason why he goes to get the nuclear bomb was as a gift to make up for sabotaging that, some stuff. Yes, that there. that is now. Yeah. They did not do this in this episode in, in in this version. 
that that is not what's happening. So that being said, what is your purpose in the way you portray this character? Like, I, I don't think in my mind when I read the book, this was how I saw Trash Can Man. I don't, I don't think I, I imagined him just being, just being almost subhuman. Like the, the other thing is, you know, just a little background. I grew up in Millersville, Georgia. And when I was growing up, Central State Hospital, which was one of the state mental institutions there, both my parents worked there. My dad was a supervisor there. I spent many days during the summertime hanging out in his office, walking down the halls of Pecan Manor, you know, <laughs> one of the buildings, seeing a lot of, you know, going with him, visiting a lot, a lot of the clients, because the way it was set up is there were clients, patients, and residents. The residents were the ones who were institutionalized there permanently. The clients were people who came in for services and the patients were people who were there just temporarily because they were trying to get help for something. I'm pretty sure this character would have been a resident. However, not hardly any of the residents I ever ran into, I don't know if my dad just didn't take me around them, but the majority of the residents that I saw, even the ones who were far gone were not like this. You know, even even when I went over to the prison side where there were the, well, it wasn't called a prison, but it was, if you were tried and convicted and, you know, or you were declared, you know, too mentally insane and they put you in the prison, they put you in such the hospital, the, for the mentally insane, even even the, they weren't the ones that I saw or came in contact with, even as a teenager, were, were not like this, not as far as I can remember. But it's almost as this is, this is a caricature of how he would be. Even if you took him out of the book, it still seems like they pushed him a little bit further than he should have been pushed. Like, I don't know, was there a scene where he jacked off to watching a building watching the the building explode yes and if i'm not mistaken i believe that was true to the way the character was written in the book but that's one of those things that you can do that in a way see this is i think the problem they got they got the problem they got the problem of tom cullen see they have tom cullen in here and then they have harold and this guy would be like an amalgamation of both those characters taken to an extreme, mm-hmm. right? So it's almost as if they were like, well, we can't have him like he was in the original because he would be too much like Tom Cullen. And we can't have him, you know, like that, but be kind of evil because then he would be too much like Carol. So we have to push it in a different direction. I'm just saying, I don't really like this this iteration, I don't know if it's because I like Matt Fuhrer's <laughs> version so much, and I and I vaguely remember, you know, how he was in the book, but just watching it, it just seemed like it was, a lot of it was sort of unnecessary. I do remember that, that going to get the nuclear bomb was, was something he did on his own and not necessarily because he was asked to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, that, that part of the, that part of the episode irks me um because we we've talked about it before about how they change certain 
certain aspects of the story and it doesn't really make sense that scene was one of the scenes when I saw it um again I didn't really have an issue with the way that trash can man was portrayed because I always read him and understood his character to be maybe a bit schizophrenic um you know he was hearing voices and he was kind of it's like as he got further and further into this obsession with fire he lost a little bit of his humanity and that's kind of how I always read his character um so I just thought that it was as you said an extreme way of portraying it but it didn't bother me um, because I, I, I kind of felt like that's how the character was supposed to be. You know, he was supposed to be that kind of, it, it's like, you know, how, with, you see it with some, um, some movies and I'm thinking of, um, uh, my mind just went blank. The movie with Russell, was it Russell Crowe where he played the mathematician? It's like you have a, a beautiful mind. Yes, that. Thank you. So you have someone who is either autistic or has some type of mental disability to where they don't appear quote unquote normal in the way that you and I do, but they're geniuses. Like they, their mind can do things that nobody else's mind can do. And I kind of looked at Trash Can Man's character like that, like maybe he's not a genius, but there are certain things that he knows almost instinctively when it comes to fire. And you see that when he has his meeting with Randall Flagg, Randall Flagg, and I don't know if this was something that he actually couldn't do or just something that to show why he needed Trash Can Man. He couldn't get that gas um, fireplace to work. And Trash Can Man came in and said, you've got to let air in and blah, blah, blah. And he showed him how to do it. Then he started asking pointed questions like, what's the biggest fire in the world? And immediately Trash Can Man knew the answer. And then when he said, no, let me be a little more specific. What's the largest man-made fire? You know, something that, you know, where you can ride it, blah, blah, blah. And he was telling him this. It's almost like instinctively he knew the answers to these questions. And this is not something that we would just randomly know. So I think in some ways it was to show that although Trash Can Man appeared to be disturbed, if, if you want to say it that way, because of the, you know, just of the way everyone else was treating him, it was also to show, okay, this is a man who has knowledge, who knows things, and this is a man who's going to be important. Now... <sighs> It was a little uncomfortable. It, it was uncomfortable to watch. I will say that. Um, but also at the same time, I am used to seeing Ezra Miller play those kinds of characters. So it wasn't much of a stretch. So maybe too, that's why it didn't take me out of the scene or take me out of the character. Um, but going back to the scene and the way that it unfolded, um, Randall Flagg putting the idea in Trash Can Man's mind as far as where to go to get these nuclear weapons. I feel like they them putting that in changes the whole dynamic of that relationship and what happens in the story. 
Because again, that was not something that we were supposed to know at this point in the story. Like you said, in the original story, Trash Can Man did something. He he accidentally, I think he, I think he sabotaged the airfield. Mm-hmm. Sabotaged something at the airfield, blew up some planes or something like that. That something Randall like Flag. That. Yeah, he yeah. was trying to get this done. I think I think Randall Flagg's plan was to fly those planes over Boulder. Mm-hmm. Trash Can Man sabotages it and he knows that he screwed up. So he runs away and he he's like having these thoughts in his head that he needs to bring, you know, the dark man a gift. And so what he does is he goes to this military facility. He finds a nuclear bomb and he rides it into the town at the very end when they're having the trial for the three members of Boulder who came to Las Vegas. Now, with them suggesting this to Trash Can, with Flag suggesting it, it kind of takes the elements of surprise out of that whole scene. So it's kind of like, what are they going to do? And it goes back to us hearing that they changed the ending of the story for this show. Mm -hmm. So now it's just kind of like, I don't know what to think. It's almost like there there was another movie, and and Lori and I mentioned this a, a lot, the Mortal Instrument, City of Bones. When they did that movie, they did a key reveal way prematurely, like two movies prematurely, <laughs> because that's not <laughs> how it happened in the books. Like the way that this played out in the books, what happens with these two characters, we're not supposed to know. Like these characters are, are made to believe that they are brother and sister for two whole books before they realize they aren't. And we have to go on this journey with them because they fell in love in the first book and then found out that they were siblings. And so we have to watch this struggle and this fight. And the way that they revealed it in the movie was, oh yeah, maybe you should tell them that they're siblings and make them think that blah, blah, blah. And every literally everybody in the movie theater hated it. Anybody who was fans of this movie or the book series and saw this in the movie hated it. Like they didn't even make a second movie because the movie, the word of mouth about how they screwed it up passed so much that nobody else would go see the movie. It tanked. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like it's kind of the same thing with the way they did the scene. And then they did it so early in the show. It was like the fourth scene in the show. Mm-hmm. And we still had a whole 45 minutes ago. It's just kind of like, Y'all are giving this to us in episode six. We still have three more episodes to go. And now the big quote unquote climax or the big thing that's supposed to be the climax of the the story has already been revealed. So where's the suspense? Where's the buildup? Now I guess it's just that now we have to figure out what they're going to do. And I just, I I don't know. There was just... (laughs) This is my. I, I understand what you're saying. This, this is the last. This is the last thing I'm going to say about about Ezra Miller and Trash Can Man. I have I have two minds on this thing. One is I, I was hesitant to to be upset about the portrayal because one sometimes, and I talked about this with the hand of God. Sometimes some things just don't translate properly when you move it from page to screen. Mm-hmm. And I guess 
even though let's just assume that this is what Stephen King had in mind for the character. This is what in his mind, this is the character that he put on on paper. Mm-hmm. I just don't particularly care for it. You know what I mean? Right. And this this is not what I imagined, even though this is in, in of course it's the author's intention or whatever, but this is not what I imagined and it kind of bothers me. I can't really place my finger on why, but I feel like there are things they could have accentuated, maybe done a little differently to make me not, I don't know, feel so icky about it. If they wanted us to feel uncomfortable about it, fine. It worked. Mm -hmm. It worked. I will tell you, it worked. The second mind is... Ezra Miller is is such a gifted and talented actor that if you if you tell him this is how it's supposed to be, that is exactly what you're going to get. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> if you tell him this is where we want this character to be, he's going to do it and he's going to execute it flawlessly. And he did it. And so I'm not going to fault him for that because this is what they wanted. Mm-hmm. I just, again, don't particularly care for it um and i think i'd say this i don't know if i said this on air last time with us the people who had reviewed the show before it came on yes they said everything they said the show pretty much fell apart in episode five right and it and it all goes down here from there right i would venture to say this is kind of where it 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 this whole episode, we haven't even gotten into it yet. <laughs> Things just kind of fell apart for, for me. Just, I was just like, oh, really? And, and once again, I have to, I have to reflect off my, the, the person who lives with me, not related to me, uh, but I'm related to by marriage. She is enjoying it. Okay. And if I try to look at it from the perspective of someone who doesn't know the source material or doesn't have any idea of what's going on, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually not that bad because the performances are actually pretty good. The For makeup, the most part, is, I, have, is, I have some is, issues with some of the performances in this episode. I, I did say some of the performances are pretty good. <laughs> you know what? While, while we're, I know we're all over the place. While we're talking about it, can we just say that for Again, I'm going to repeat it. I know we said it before. For all of Amber Heard's faults, she is actually kind of killing it in this role. Yes, Nadine. I will give she, you that. She is killing it as Nadine. And I, now I can't imagine anyone else being Nadine because she's, she's doing those subtle changes. I know we'll talk about it when you get to what Joe said to uh, Larry later. Yeah. But... Um, the performance, the, the makeup is fairly good. Since they gotten rid of the flashbacks, the pacing has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, okay. I mean, it, it, it's okay <laughs> when you look at it from that perspective. You know, and I think a lot of it does have to do with them getting rid of the flashbacks. Uh, I think, to me, the show has drastically improved with the pacing without the flashbacks I, I will say that yes the the and I think it's again I think if they had just done the show in a linear fashion we wouldn't have had so many complaints about the pacing 
because mm-hmm. we would have been watching the story unfold as it goes along and it would have been maybe a little bit easier to follow and yeah sometimes you don't want easy to follow sometimes you want things to be a little bit not even complicated but you want your audience to think and I understand that but it just for some reason with this story it just didn't feel right and Mm -hmm. so now I think last episode we we got the one flashback in the in the uh form of a dream and in this episode we didn't get any so again, yes, you're right. The pacing is getting better, but the way that they're telling the story and certain changes that they've made from what the original was, I don't see how the changes, like the changes didn't improve the story for me. So it's just kind of like, what are y'all doing? Like I said, the whole episode, I was looking through things like, what the fuck am I watching? This I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I think... It's coming to me that they are, are taking the position that the majority of people that are going to watch it have heard about The Stand but never read the book and never watched the original series. Yeah. And and when you look at the changes they made and the way they presented it, God, I, I hate that I'm trying to defend them on this. <laughs> but, <laughs> but after what, talking, to my, talking to Michelle, my wife, the mm-hmm. person who lives with me, <laughs> related to me to by, you marriage. by marriage. <laughs> she, <laughs> she has she is enjoying it. Okay. Yeah, and there's some things I think she would say kind of bother her a little bit, but that's more or less character choices, like the, the choices that characters are making, not necessarily having anything to do with with things being changed from the the source material right but again if she doesn't remember the source material or isn't familiar with it then it wouldn't bother her those changes wouldn't bother her um i have had some conversations on facebook and twitter and on the fandom hybrid facebook page um with people who have watched the show and have listened to us talk about it and um a lot of people so far are agreeing with us about the flashback being irritating. <laughs> and um, a couple of people are also agreeing with us on some of the character choices and, and the decisions that they're making about how much the characters are in the show and how, who's being focused on and stuff like that. I, I, I do know a couple of people who are friends of mine who are familiar with the book and the original movie. They actually have stopped watching this version of the show. That yeah, you can't I, see it anymore. If, every, everyone that I know that have read the book has they've stopped watching the show they, they just stopped wow. so that's what i'm starting to think it wasn't really intended for, for us apparently you know mm-hmm. even with i think stephen king being in on it it's just <sighs> it, it, it was probably meant to draw in new new people new fans yeah whatever but you know <laughs> But once again, it's the failure of understanding your core fan base, like the people that are going to be with you, the the people that are going to solidify your numbers, they're not going to, your numbers are not going to fall off because of them. But if your core fans, the core people who like the source material, Mm -hmm. abandon the project, your numbers are going to drop and they're not going to recover because they're not going to come back. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about it, it's a limited series. So it's only it's only going to run 
for nine episodes. They don't have to worry about cancellation. They don't have to worry no. about pitching the second season because it was never meant to be this. So could also be where they're just like, okay, well, what we don't care what they think. This is what we presented and this right. is what you're going to deal with. Right. And, and the, the last thing I see about Stephen King is I had downloaded the, the, a version of the book that he released afterwards with all the additional material yes, in it. Yes, yes. I read his foreword and his foreword, he seemed to be focusing on the fact that the material wasn't added to change the story. It was added to give you more insight into the characters. And it's almost as if maybe they took the same approach with this. It's like, we want to tell the same story but in a different way with more insight into the characters, which I know that sounds like BS, but that's, that, that is the only, I, I'm trying to figure out a justification for some of the, the things they've done. Like, I think Stu's character has been completely neutered. He's been completely, completely taken off the board. And it's almost as if, you should have just made it, if, if you're going to do it this way, like I said before, just focus on Fran, focus on Nadine, and focus on Harold, and, and make that your show. Everyone else, don't even bother with trying to give us background filler on all these other characters. Just make it about them, and, and everyone else is just just window dressing, yeah. because that's, that's, that's the core of what you're giving us right now. That's what it's been for the whole season. Yeah. And with a little bit of Larry thrown in, but and a little bit, I mean, and a, it's, Stu it's is like, pointless. Glenn is pointless. You know, Nick, Nick is pointless. Almost Mother Abigail too, because we don't get enough <laughs> of those characters. No, and it's 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 like, you know, what? I'm gonna hold my tongue. My militant cap is sitting over there, and I'm not gonna put it on. I'm not gonna put it on. I I I <laughs> I, I, I feel you. I understand what you're saying. So, Let, but go ahead, go, let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. And I think at this point, I kind of want to go, I just want to talk about the characters and, and talk about the situations as opposed to going through scene by scene, because okay. right now, I think at this point is going to make more sense for us. Um, since I mentioned Mother A, um, we start out the show and they're, they're searching for her. And I will say, we've complained about the fact that we haven't really seen as much of Mother Abigail in this show. And we, we mentioned when we discussed the first two episodes, how I felt like I had a hard time with Whoopi Goldberg being Mother Abigail because we weren't getting enough of the character for me to see her as Mother Abigail. It's gotten a little bit better as the episodes have progressed, but still we're not seeing near as near as much of mother abigail as i feel like we should have up to this point in this episode we got to see her a little bit more and the weird thing is we got to see her in a scene that if i remember correctly didn't even exist in the book and that was mm -hmm. her confrontation with randall flag mm -hmm. i will say this is one change that i did enjoy seeing to see the two of them kind of have that conversation and not necessarily confront each other, but it was basically, it was like the conversation between good and evil, the, the conversation between the leaders of those two sides. And in this scene, 
again, Whoopi Goldberg, for me, cemented herself as Mother Abigail in this particular scene where she was talking to Randall Flagg. And that scene was still too short. I just felt like if this is what you're finally going to give us as Mother Abigail, if you're finally going to let us see her, it just wasn't enough. You know, it's mm -hmm. like one of the complaints that I have about this series, you, you're you doing nine episodes, nine hours to get us connected to these characters, emotionally invested in what they're doing so that when the end comes and we see what happens to these characters, we feel it in our soul. I don't think they've done that with this show. And that's that's the complaint I'm hearing from a lot of people. Like we had a major death happen at the end of this episode. And so many people I know were like, I didn't even feel it because I didn't get it. I, I didn't get attached to the character. We didn't see him enough. And I kind of feel like that too, which was so, again, since I'm talking about this character, Nick Andros in the original and Nick Andros in the book was such a huge, huge, huge part of this story. He literally was Mother Abigail's right hand. And even though he couldn't really communicate with everyone else verbally, he still made his presence known. He still had a personality. He still, he still had a lot to contribute in the original stories. And in the original miniseries, Rob Lowe was an exceptional actor to play the character. And you felt it when that character was killed. I felt it a little bit in this episode when we finally get the culmination of Harold and Nadine's um, evil plan, <laughs> you know, but at the end, you know, they, they blow up Matt, Mother Abigail's house and Nick happens to be standing right there where the bomb is. So there's like absolutely no way that he could have survived. I was more upset about the way that, that it played out than I was about him dying. And it has nothing to do with the actor. I loved the actor and the the way he portrayed Nick for the little bit of screen time that we got with him. I think that's my main complaint about this whole show. We don't get enough time to bond with these characters. Like you said, it's basically been the Nadine and Harold and Fran show. And even without Nadine so much, it's more so the Harold show and the and then the Fran show. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, they don't do a good job of balancing the characters out and making us feel emotionally drawn to them. Yeah. And this um, episode was like, so like, it was never more evident than in this episode. Mm -hmm. You know, you had Nick's death at the end of the episode. Judge Ferris never made it to Vegas. She got killed. And then we didn't even get to see the confrontation on screen. It's just. Okay. Um, okay. I'm going to start with what you said about Whoopi. I absolutely, totally, 100% agree with everything you said. Whoopi is Mother Abigail, period. Um, the addition of that scene I, I know it was intentional to to parallel, you know, Jesus's forty days in the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan. Mm -hmm. I don't have any issue with that. Um, I would have. I wanted. The thing is, you kind of want more 
of the confrontation between the two of them. Now that they're now that he can go to Boulder and he can talk to her, I I think that would that would have been we would have benefited from that greatly. Um, you're right. We did not get enough of Nick, and I did not feel his death. I did not, but I will tell you the person who I live with <laughs> related to our marriage, she actually did. Okay. She was like, oh my God, no, not Nick. So for her, it did mean a little bit. Um, I do think they are having, they may not believe this, but I think there is sort of an issue with the balance of the characters, the balance of the story. It's not really a pacing issue. It, it would have probably... I don't know if they had the money to to do this or the balls to do this, but this should have been two seasons of a show, maybe even three, because the I could I could this just humor me. The first season could have ended with the climax or with the arrival in Boulder. So your whole first season could have covered all these characters' backgrounds mm-hmm. without having to do flashbacks. The the journey to Boulder, the journey to Vegas, all these characters. Mm-hmm. And, and you could have included flashbacks, no big deal, but it would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. Your second season is the arrival in Boulder, getting to know Mother Abigail, you know, it, it re- establishing the the five leaders and all that in the conflict with with Vegas. And if you're just going to do two seasons, then that could have been your whole second season and you could have ended it with the last episode. Yeah. And we would have had time to develop these characters, to care about these characters, give some of these characters their proper time, their proper respect. Even, you know, Judge Ferris, what a way to go. Like, you barely get mentioned when they select you to be a spy. You barely get mentioned, you know, when they talk about you. And, and like, you die off screen, the bullet between the eyes. And they, it, it just. Waste of a character. Just <laughs> what was like the, with what, what, Waste what was, of a character. What was the purpose? You know, what was the point? Like, it's almost like she only died to show Randall kill someone else, like to show how vicious and violent he was. You could have done that in a myriad of ways. So, but yeah, I I really think they could have benefited by either stretching this one season or this limited series out, just make it a limited season to say, we're just gonna do one season of this and do, you know, 15, 16, 20 episodes. Right. Stretch it out, you know, two 10 season or two 10 episode seasons. I mean, but but what you get, what you've given us is like, you've given us just moments, like there's some good moments Mm -hmm. and that's all we got. You know, everything else is just, it seems like a waste. Yeah. They wouldn't have even, not even 10 episode seasons. They could have gotten away with eight episode seasons. Give us two. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I don't know. It's just, it's weird to me that they have more time 
with this version than they did with 1994. Like I said, 1994, we got what, three two-hour episodes or four two-hour episodes? It was four two-hour episodes. And I feel like we got- No, I think it was three. I think it was three two-hour episodes. But I still feel like we got way more story in that version than we're getting in this one. Yeah, it like feels they've like cut that. major, major parts out of this story. It was four two-hour episodes. Okay, okay, but still, they had an hour less. Yeah. But in that version, we got the Lincoln Tunnel. We got Nick's arrest in Shoyo and him bonding with the sheriff before everything fell down. We got Judge Ferris. I mean, we got to see Judge Ferris interacting with people in the community in Boulder. And that's why his death was a little more heartfelt. We got to see him die. You know, we got all of this stuff um, and they had less time to do it. But when I watched that version, there was not a lot that I felt like they missed. Mm -hmm. Like they got all of the important stuff in there. And I just feel like they... uh, Again, I just feel like they just they didn't understand the balance for these characters and how to put them in the story in a way to make us really care for them. You know, we've spent way, way too much time with Harold and just I I don't know, it's just there's there's just so many things about this I just don't like. But at this point, I can't stop watching because now I really have to see how they're gonna how they're gonna do the end. Yeah, we're we're invested now. <laughs> I, I won't even say yeah, I'm invested. Yeah. I just want to see how much more they can screw this up. <laughs> I'm being straight up honest. I wanted to like I wanted to like this show so much. And like I said, the last um, the last episode we did, I'm not a big fan of reboots, but I can understand, okay, new times, new technology. Let's see how we can improve on the story. Okay, I'll give them that. But you got to improve on the story if you're going to redo it. And I don't feel like they've done that. There are a couple of things that, like I said, I felt were better. And that more so has to do with acting choices or just the way that that certain actors portray the characters. I like Alexander Skarsgård's version of Randall Flagg better. I've said Mm -hmm. this before. Catherine McNamara's version of Julie Lowry. Fucking love her. But we don't get enough of her. We don't get enough of her. Instead, we get, and I'm, I'm going back to your throwback from last episode, we get Clown Lloyd walking around here in his little shiny suits being ridiculous and i'm like what yeah he's a clown like how how did how's this guy well how did he put this guy as his right hand man he's a clown straight up clown yeah i just uh, i just it's and and again i i like i like the actor who played nick we just didn't see enough of him. Yeah. Even the actor who played, what was his name? Ricky Harry or Bobby Harry or Harry Bobby? Bobby Terry. Yeah. Uh, Terry, Terry <laughs> was it? Terry Bobby. Bobby Terry. Uh, to be Bobby honest Terry, with you, him. Yeah. If, if they could have flipped him and made him, that could have been Lloyd in 
I, I would, and if Lloyd had been like that, I was like, okay, I got it. I could be okay with that because that's closer to uh, the what I remember from the book, you know. Yeah. Just, just like a guy who just, you know, being a hard ass and trying to make things run. And 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 serious. And even just a little bit, you can make him a little bit serious. Like you don't have to make him deadpan serious. Right. He could have still had a little fun. Just made him a little bit serious. Right. This guy's a clown. You right. know, this Lloyd is a straight up clown. I'm sorry. Continue. I I interrupted. No, you. it's it's fine because I'm. <laughs> okay. So and 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 since we were talking about Nadine and Larry, and Nadine goes, you know, and she runs into Larry, and there's like no mention of what happened the night before, like... Well, he tried. That's the thing. Okay, he he so, tried, but she's like, yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> yeah, she was, like, really brushing off. And, I, and I, I think that was because for Nadine, because she and Harold, at the beginning of the episode, Harold comes into her house, and he tells her that Mother Abigail is missing. And then, you know, he says, do you know that the Chinese symbol for crisis includes... The Chinese symbol for opportunity. Crisis equals opportunity. He said, "There's going to be a vigil for Mother Abigail tonight." So basically, they decide, "Hey, why kill just the five members when you can kill everybody?" And Harold shows her his version of a bomb that he created, and she tells him to kind of modify it because she knows the perfect place to put it. So what happens is she and Joe go over to Mother Abigail's house where the Boulder Five are there. Um, everyone is out searching for Mother Abigail, except for Nick, except for Nick, um, Fran, Glenn, and Larry. And it's because really Nick is like her sign says her her note says don't don't look, look for me. me. Yeah. And Nick is already in that mind frame. He's like, look, she already told us not to do anything in regards to the. Uh, to the dark man and we did it behind her back and then she disappeared so maybe we need to listen to her this time this mm -hmm. is what nick's mindset is so they're there in the house nadine comes over with joe um with you know little handmade cards that the kids in the school made and she is there i think as a distraction she's putting the cards all around the house and then as larry and joe are getting ready to leave out in comes Harold but I think she was doing that as a distraction with Larry because Larry is trying to you know he's trying to I guess make amends you know he's like hey do you need some help blah 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 and she's basically like brushing him off and you know she she kind of gets a little snippy with him yeah empathy is not your strong suit and I really think at this point it's mainly because she's trying to separate whatever feeling she has for him from the task at hand mm -hmm. because she knows that he's supposed to be at this vigil tonight but, or, but we'll, or we'll circle we'll, something. we'll circle back to that in a yeah. second but but he says something to her about you know um 
he's supposed to be performing at the vigil tonight. So he volunteers to take Joe off her hands for a while. He was like, yeah, we can go and have a jam session at my house. And then I bring her back for the, for the vigil. Then she kind of goes off because she's thinking about the fact that he's trying to bring Joe back to this vigil Mm -hmm. where they're setting a bomb. And she starts going off. No, why would you think, why would you think to bring him that? Do you remember what the vigils were like for the kids before blah, blah, blah. So she like goes into this kind of panic mode and he's like, whoa, okay, well, then we just won't do that. We'll just go hang out at my house and you can come pick them up, whatever, whenever. So that's what but she but but she made some good points. You know, I know what her, her motive was Joe not being there, but she talked about all these kids, they were going to vigils all the time and they go home and their whole family dies. Did y'all ever think about how traumatic this would be for the kids? Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, yeah, that's probably not a good thing for them because yeah. Especially the younger ones, they'd be like, "Well, then the last time I went to one of these things, everybody died." Yeah. you know. So no, it's not a good thing. And she was distracting him because Harold came in with the bomb and put the bomb by the piano. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So her doing all that, they all had their attention on her and not really on Harold. Right. Well, you know what? She put it there. Actually, she, she put, she it, put there. it there. But Harold comes in, and it's just kind of like one of those things where. I I think she started having second thoughts about about it because she's thinking about Larry, then she's thinking about Joe, and then she thinks about the children. And I think she did that to kind of put it in their mind that okay, the children don't need to be here tonight. Yeah. You know? And then Franny says something to her. She's like, Oh, well, I guess we didn't think about that because none of us are parents. You know, I've always said this to you, Nadine. Joe is really lucky to have you. And I think in a way she starts to feel guilty a little bit because I mean, think about it. Fran is pregnant, but Mm -hmm. this is one of the people that you're thinking about killing. And then um, when Larry is walking out with Joe, Harold is walking in the door. And of course, Harold knows that Larry has been in his house the night before. Larry doesn't know that Harold knows. So Mm -hmm. it's it's a little bit- And, and, And Harold didn't tell- he hasn't told um, he hasn't told Nadine Nadine yeah, yeah no so nobody knows at this point but Harold walks in and again he has his little fake smile and like hey Stu I hear you guys are looking for volunteers to go search for mother a and blah <laughs> and you know he's like when Larry's leaving he's like you're not you're not staying he's like no I'm on gremlin duty while mommy Nadine is you know get some rest and then Harold kind of interprets that as oh Nadine is having second thoughts so he starts having a conversation with her, like, you know, like he's a stranger. He's like, oh, sorry to hear you. You're not feeling well, Miss Cross. He was like, but you know, sometimes sleep is the best answer, you know, da, da, da. He start like, he basically is like, yeah, I understand you might be losing sleep, but some things are worth it. <laughs> and it's kind of like, Fran looks at him in a weird way. Like, mm-hmm. she's like, why is he saying that to her? And then when he leaves with Stu, she like literally, she looks out the door and then she kind of looks back at Nadine and then she decides to leave. She tells them that she's going to get prenatal pills and she signs something to Nick. And I'm not sure what it was that she signed, but it was something like either see you later or keep your eye out, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then we find out later that instead of going to get prenatal vitamins, Fran actually goes to break into Harold's house. Oh, but before you get to that, yeah. Joe telling Larry that 
Mommy Nadine and Nadine are two different people. Yeah, this is actually, yeah, that's, I think that's a little bit later because, is it? yeah, because what okay. happens is um, Nadine goes to pick Joe up from Larry's house and this is right before. Oh, that, that was, yeah. that was, okay, that was before. Mm -hmm. Okay, so go back well, to. all uh, of these things are kind of happening simultaneously. So, yeah. So basically what's happening is during Fran time, is going to the house. She's Fran going is to at Harold's house. house. Yeah. Fran is at Harold's house trying to break in. Stu and Harold are out in the woods searching for Mother Abigail. And it's just the two of them. And Stu, again, I'm sorry, Stu, your girlfriend has already told you she has suspicions about Harold. Why are you walking with your back to this dude? I just, I, I don't understand. But anyway, so they have a conversation and while Stu has his back to Harold, Harold pulls a gun out on him. His, his whole plan is to kill Stu, mm -hmm. you know, and he, he just kind of says, you know, it's kind of funny how things work out. He was like, you know, a year ago, who would have predicted Captain Tripps? He was like a year ago, you didn't know Franny Goldsmith and she didn't know you. And Stu understands what Harold means by this. And he's like, look, I don't know why things happen the way they do but I realized that might seem unfair to you and I'm sorry. And Harold starts to kind of waver a little bit because I think in his mind, he's always had this idea that Stu took Franny from him on purpose. Mm -hmm. And then for, for him to have this conversation and Stu was basically like, look, I don't know why things happened the way they did. I don't know why we were the ones to survive while any, everybody else did, you know, didn't. You know, mm -hmm. I think it's just a random, it's just a random thing. It's not something that we have control over. And he turns around and Harold kind of quickly hides the gun. And he's like, oh, you think this is all random? Still's like, I, I don't have any other way to explain it. But it's kind of like, I think Harold kind of wavered a little bit because again, in his mind, he had, he had a whole different idea of Stu. And then you're sitting there with this man alone. Nobody else is around and you get to hear what this man has on his heart. And it's kind of like, oh, he's really not evil. He's not the, you know, self-serving whatever that I expected him to be, but I still hate him because he took the woman I love. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like he's, he's conflicted. And then of course, um, Norris comes by and tells Stu, he was like, hey, Glenn wants you back at the house to rehearse your speech because the vigil is going to be in an hour. So of course that means that they're leaving a little bit early. So again, Fran has broken into Harold's house. She breaks into the basement that, that was locked the night before that Larry couldn't get into. And when she walks downstairs, the first thing she sees is the video camera feed to the bedroom. focused on her bed <laughs> and in her house. And of course, this freaks her out because she realizes that Harold has been watching them and she doesn't know for how long this has been going on. Mm -hmm. Then she goes into another room and she finds all of his bomb materials and then she finds his manifesto and she reads some of the manifesto and she, she kind of puts it back and she, you know, she picks up one of the pipes and she turns around and Harold is standing there in the door because of course, since his and Stu's search has been called off prematurely, where else is he going to go but home? Mm -hmm. You know, you've left the lights on in the basement. You left the door open to the room that you're in. You, you made no attempts to hide 
that you were even there. You know, again, not a smart move on Franny's part. And you're pregnant. What are you doing breaking into this man's house? You're pregnant. What happens? And and you didn't tell anyone where you were going. And you didn't tell anyone where you were going. So, but of course, um, we know Harold is not going to hurt her because Harold loves her. And so they have this conversation. You know, she tries to she tries to leave, which again, you really think Harold is about to let you leave his house now? Like, really? Mm-hmm. So they have this conversation, you know, Harold just basically lays into her about how Captain Trips was supposed to be his adventure, how everybody in the world was gone except for him and her. So it was supposed to be them together. And then Stu comes along and, you know, every they just threw him away again. And she's sitting there trying to convince him. She was like, no, Harold, I know you, you know, you're the last, you're the last connection I have to the world before this. Don't take that away from me. First of all, you telling Harold, Harold, this isn't you. I know you. I said it at the same time Harold did. No, you don't. <laughs> I was like, no, you don't. You haven't taken the time to get to know him. Like you have treated him like shit the whole show. And now you think you're a crocodile, you're a crocodile non-existent tears because there was not an tear in her eye. It's supposed to sway him. From she almost. This? she almost got to him no i don't think she did i think think? i no. i think that was more so oh okay she's touching me she's hugging me let me let me just you know kind of revel in this for a moment and then he's like no because again he knows that she's not being sincere yeah again but then but then he still is operating on on the assumption that if he is the last man on earth that she will love him so he's still banking on the fact that if it's just the two of them left that she will want him right i mean he's in and and it's like he believes two things simultaneously that she detests him and that she will love him she can't do both i don't think he realizes that that's why i think there's there's something a little wrong with him as well because he doesn't seem to get that that she doesn't want him she won't ever want him and he doesn't have anything to do with Stu. but he still feels like if she has no other option she's gonna come to you there was a time so i think that's more so what it is because he may look at Franny as the type of person who will not be by herself. I mean, think about it. When she thought that she was all alone after her dad died, she tried to kill herself. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's like, okay, well, she won't do that now because she's got this baby she's going to have to think of, but she's not going to want to be by herself. She's not going to want to raise her baby by herself. She's going to need me. That's, I think, his, yeah, his but, frame of mind. But even when they were on the road, even before they met Stu, she still wasn't giving him what he wanted. She still wasn't doing it. She was just along for the ride. Right. You know, and she knew she was pregnant even then. And she still, even when she thought they were the last two people, she still wasn't giving him the time of day. Right. And I, and he didn't, and he's still, and it's almost like the failure of that story to be published should have been a signal to him that the whole idea was flawed. Mm-hmm. The whole idea was going to be a failure. That was a signal for him. I will give the writers that, they, that because that's what the story was about. 
and it it didn't work and it's still not working he keeps trying to make this story real and it just doesn't work yeah but you know yeah and then you know he locks her in the basement locks her in the basement which again this didn't happen in the original but i didn't mind the way that this this scene played out because in the original um story franny was at the she was at the meeting that they were having and because what i had to do when i finished watching this episode i literally went to go grab the book to read how this scene played out because I was like none of this feels familiar so what happened was in the in the original story they were all at the meeting um it was for the you know they were having a, a vigil for mother abigail they found out that she had been found and so people started clearing out of the house because they were going to to try to go to mother abigail and Fran and Nick all started having like this little voice in their head saying, get out of the house, get out of the house. They didn't know what was wrong. They just knew something was wrong and they needed to get out. So Franny was leaving out of the house. Something in Nick was telling him the closet, the closet, the closet. So he went to the closet. He found, you know, he found the bomb and in the bomb, there was a radio and you heard Harold's voice say, my name is Harold Emery Louder. I do this of my own free will. And then the house blows up. So it does that in this episode as well. Similarly, um, they're getting ready to have the vigil. People are filing into Mother Abigail's house. And then Norris calls on the um, radio to Stu that they found Mother Abigail. So everyone starts leaving. And as they're evacuating the house, Nick is in Mother Abigail's bedroom. Ray comes in, tells him that they found her and she mouths to him, I guess I'll see you there. You know, talking about the clinic where they're taking Mother Abigail. So he gets ready to walk out of the house and he's the only person in the house and you, you see the radio and you hear Harold's voice come over. He does the same thing. This is Harold Emery Louder. I do this of my own free will. Nick goes past the uh, piano and he was playing around with the piano earlier in the day when they were all there um, for the search. And basically what he was doing was he was pressing on the piano keys and of course he can't hear it, but he can feel the vibrations. So he had lifted up the top of the piano and he was looking at the strings and the pegs kind of going up and down as he was hitting the keys. So as he's getting ready to leave out the house again, he looks at the piano and in slow motion, he's going to lift up the top because something is just telling him to do this. Like, I don't know if that's intuition or if it's just something that he was compelled to do. And as he's doing this, Franny is coming up the street. And when she gets to Stu, she tells him there's a bomb, there's a bomb. We have to go, there's a bomb. And so all of this is happening simultaneously. Nick lifts up the piano, he sees the bomb, he looks up to the sky and then the whole house blows up. So after all of this, I literally had to go get the book because I was like, something about this just doesn't, it doesn't seem like it was right. Mm -hmm. And that's why, because it, it varied slightly from mm -hmm. in the book. But I didn't mind this change as far as Franny going to Harold's, finding the stuff and then him locking her up. That was a change I didn't mind as much. Mm -hmm. You know, it, I, it didn't take away from the story. Right. 
as far as changes go. But again, still, it was just kind of one of those things where Nick, I think Nick had somewhat of an intuition that something was going on with the piano because when he was there earlier during the day, he was playing on the piano and he was looking at the keys. He had a short vision of the wolf, Randall Flagg's wolf come to mm -hmm. him. And he kind of set the, you know, he set the top of the piano down. Like so there was a growl and I think he actually heard the growl. Yeah. 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 And then of course, you know, and he saw, he saw the wolf. So then when he's getting ready to leave the house, he's drawn to the piano and it's, you know, the bomb is there. And of course he's right there at the bomb. So we know he didn't survive. There's no way. He, it had nails and ball bearings in it. Yeah. There's, there's so no there's way no way he would have been able to survive. I mean, he was literally right there in the blast. But again, it was hard for me to feel sad about it because I didn't have enough of a connection with this character. We didn't see him enough. You know, mm -hmm. I felt sad because I'm familiar with the character from the book. I, so I know that this is what's supposed to happen. I know I'm supposed to be sad and I was sad for that reason. But as far as like being attached to this character, like I don't care how familiar I am with the story. If it's done the right way, you're going to get me to cry and you're going to get me to cry every single time I see it. I literally just watched Shawshank Redemption two nights ago. I've seen this movie a million times. Every single time you get to certain scenes in that movie, I still cry. I don't care how many times I've seen it. I can watch, I can sit there and watch that movie three times back to back. And I have done that before. I'm still going to cry when they mention Brooke Hat Brooks Hatlin's name. I'm still going to cry when they say get busy living or get busy dying. I'm still going to cry at the end of the movie when Red and Andy reunite. I'm always going to cry at that. Because you you bond with the characters. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to do that in this show. So not being able to like being able to feel Nick's death and to have to mourn it, I just I don't feel the connection. And I'm pissed that I don't feel the connection because Nick was one of my favorite characters in the story. Yeah, it just wasn't enough of him. It, there there wasn't enough. No. Enough Nick, yeah. No, and like we got, we got a lot of Harold, but not enough Nick. Right, and like yeah. Judge Ferris. Oh, okay, she died. Yeah. I knew she was gonna die, and yeah. it's just it's just kind of like one of those things, you know. Yeah. It's just well, well, the good side of it is obviously there are things happening backstage, you know, in in the metaphysical world that's influencing the physical world. You know, he's he something told him to check the piano. It didn't do anything, but something told him to, the only thing that that did was he was he happened to stand right there when it exploded. Uh, whatever. But you know, and then you relate that to uh, Mother Abigail talking to Randall. And he's like, you know, I can take all your pains away. I can take you to a place where he can't find you. He with a capital H mm -hmm. where he can't find you. And she's like, there's no place you can take me where he won't see me. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like at the same time that was right after that, 
Joe heard her voice and went to where she was. Right. So they're obviously, I say backstage because that's how it is in American Gods. Things happening backstage yeah. in the metaphysical world. So yes, there are things happening in the backstage that that's influencing the real world, whoever it is. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and we do find out that Joe isn't we didn't think he was autistic but we knew that he was traumatized but we find out that he's he's pretty freaking functional when he tells larry that there are two nadine you know mama nadine and nadine are two different people right right that was a warning yep and we also and based on nadine i don't know if she was having second thoughts but i knew she didn't want joe there and we find out she didn't want larry there either yeah, because, because I think after that conversation they had earlier that day, I think she just realized that Larry was a good guy. He was a decent mm-hmm. guy. Like, if you think about it, he didn't want to take advantage of her. What mm-hmm. meant? Think about it. Most men, if you throw yourselves at them, if you are a fairly attractive woman and you throw yourself at them and you're like, hey, I need you to fuck me. How many men are really going to say no? Not too many. Not too many. Not too many. So the fact that he did, and not only was it not because he wasn't attracted to her, but he was like, no, I don't want you, I don't want to do this. And then if you feel, if you wake up in the morning and have regret about it, I don't want you to feel like I took advantage of you. I don't want to take advantage of think you. Think about, think about when we were introduced to him. We introduced to him, he, the, the waitress, that yep. waitress, did she kind of like, say something bad to him or like flip him off the night before and then he wakes up with her in the bed the next day and then the same thing with Rita like he just happens to come across Rita and boom they're sleeping together like automatically so he's you don't really have to try very hard to get him to sleep yeah and we've said that before but it's always come across that he cares about her he cares about her he cares about Joe and I think she cares about she cares about them too. Yeah. You know, yeah. She, she sabotaged his radio so he couldn't contact anyone. And she exactly. sabotaged his bike exactly. so he couldn't go to the vigil. Right. Because you know? she because she didn't want want him there. No, and I think Joe again, Joe has been seeing this this transformation of Nadine. Like he sees her, I think he sees her when she when she doesn't think he's watching. Just like when she was that night, she was messing around with the planchette board. Mm-hmm. I think he saw something about her that night that she didn't know that he saw, or she didn't suspect that he saw. Yeah, and, and he tried to stop her from leaving when she dropped him off. Exactly, she she drops him off um, to be with the other kids during the vigil, and she tells him she's like, "I'll be right back. I gotta go take care of something. I'm coming back." And I think he knows that she's not coming back. Mm-hmm. And he tries to keep her there. She was like, no. She was like, I, I'll be back. I promise. Now go over there with the other kids. And he goes, but you can see he's very dejected. And he turns around really sad. Like he knows he's not going to see her again. And I think that her, that does hurt her, but she knows that he's safe there. And then she goes to the amphitheater to meet Harold because the amphitheater, you can actually see the city in the neighborhood from the amphitheater and she's apparently late and Harold's like oh were you having second thoughts because of Joe or because of Larry 
And he was like, oh yeah, by the way, he broke into my house. And she was like, what? Does he know about us? Like, that's what's concerning her. Does he know about you and me? And Harold was like, I don't know, maybe. But maybe, about, maybe not. Right. <laughs> what about this? Nope. Like, you know, as far as the bomb. Did you notice the role reversal between Nadine and Harold? Like, she went from being the alpha in this situation to him sort of being the dominant person yes but that, that happens in the book as well yeah yeah that happens in the book because when they i think it's even before they actually set off the bomb uh in the book the dark man comes to nadine in a dream and they they consummate their their relationship and then the next day, that's when she's feeling skittish and she's feeling jittery and her hair has turned white after mm-hmm. her encounter with him. And this is where she starts to like really kind of doubt, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go. And Harold's like, whatever, it's time to go. Come on. He was like, look, there's no you and me anymore. He was like, we've done what we're supposed to do. Don't you ever touch me anymore. We're going West. And this, you know, that's how it happens in the book. And it, I, I think it happened that way in the um, the original uh, miniseries as well. So at this point in this, in this show, she hasn't consummated her relationship with Flag. And she is having, you know, she is having the doubts. And I think Harold's resolve came from being betrayed by Franny and Larry, or more so being betrayed by Franny and her using Larry for that betrayal. Mm-hmm. So I think at this point, he's like, especially now, oh, Franny knows what's going on. Yeah, it's time to go, Mm -hmm. you know, before she goes and tells. Because, of course, if she's able to get out or if they find her, she's going to tell what she knows. Mm -hmm. So he's just like, okay, yeah, it's time to go. But it's, um, yeah. (laughs) So we go to Vegas. Yes, let's go to Vegas because we, we, we have something else. I mean, so I've said it before that I didn't like what they were doing with Tom Cullen's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized they probably did change it because, again, change of time is a different decade, different century, you know. And they're updating their methods and the way that they're doing things. But this whole thing with Dana giving Tom the note and him trying to figure out what this, it, it just, it just. It, it, it seemed um, borderline ridiculous. As, it just as, didn't make sense it, to me. It was yeah. kind of like, he's looking at this note and the note has the word run on it. And of course, Tom Cullen can't read. And so he finds this, he finds a machine and the machine has buttons on it. And one of the buttons is run, stop, and there's something else. So he puts the note up and he sees that the the letters are the same, but he doesn't know what it is. So this lady comes in to tell him that there's vomit in the fountain on such and such floor. He needs to clean it up. Okay, did not put it together that this person is supposed to be rat man from the original show so they made her a woman oh okay okay she's supposed to be rat man but she's rat woman which again i don't have a problem with the gender bending changing the character but again if you want to really change a character from a male to a female why do it with a throwaway character like what was the point 
it's not gonna make it like it really I mean, they did money. it they did it with judge ferris and, and again judge ferris died yeah. even off screen like we yeah. saw her in two scenes in this episode it is, where she's it counting is. off the days and then she gets her gun and she goes to sit on the bed and that's it and then we yeah. see the exact same scene again where she picks up the gun she goes to sit on the bed when randall flagg is talking about her being in the hotel and then the next time we see her she's in a body bag with a bullet in her head what was the whole fucking point yeah it you are correct if you're going to if you're going to make a change like that don't do it on throwaway character because now it just looks like you're just doing it to say that you did it right you're doing it oh yeah we put more women in the show we we made more not even main characters we made it more equality or whatever yeah you know, we, we, yes, it, but then you throw them away. Like yeah. Ray, Ray is, Ray is good because we actually see a bit of Ray. Just, just a little bit. See, the, the couple yeah. of scenes we seen her in, she was fussing. <laughs> you know, and that was it. That was just today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so th- this is my thing though. And, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. He's he doesn't he can't read. He can recognize that the symbols, the letters are the same. However, he's savvy enough to know not to not show the note, the note. Yes. <laughs> to say what is he he's savvy enough to know that. Yes. Yes. He asked her, he said, What does this word say? And he shows her the word on the machine. Yeah. I was I, I was impressed that they did pay attention to that little detail because if she would have seen the word run, it would have been like, well, why do you have a, you know? Yeah, but okay. he was savvy enough to know not to show her that note. Right. So, you know, on this, I don't know. I, I, I was sitting there thinking, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Tom, because I guess they told him to be careful and you know, did he know Dana? Had he seen Dana before that? I don't think he did. I don't think he she did. she recognized him because she had seen him, him, but I don't but think he, he recognized he, her. Okay. You know, but I mean, if you think about it, truthfully, Tom Cullen, like his character was supposed to stand out. You know, even in the mm-hmm. original story, he was like really, really tall, really, really yeah. He's the big, was, the big guy. He yeah. was supposed to stand out. Dana just looked like a regular, just a regular lady. Yeah. So he may not have had a lot of interaction with her yeah. being I'm, older. I'm trying not to put too much stock in it, but he was smart enough to know not to show the woman the note. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. But then here's the thing. So earlier in the episode, Randall Flagg is talking to Lloyd. And this is when he was telling telling him that Judge Ferris needs to be brought to him alive because he still needs to find out who the third spy is. And he tells Lloyd, you know, with the other spies, I could feel them the moment they left Boulder. With this third spy, I can't feel anything. Anytime I try to feel him, the only thing I see is the moon. And of course, we know what that means. Nobody Mm -hmm. else knows what that means. So after he attacks Bobby Terry in the elevator because uh, I don't think Bobby Terry. About so what Bobby Such a Terry brilliant name. What Bobby Terry does is they bring him. They bring him to.
flagged because of course he's killed the judge and you know explicit orders were made that the judge needs to be brought in alive now now so mind they, you mind you Lo lloyd did tell him these guys they're not surgical they're right. hammers right he told them they're hammers right and yeah i'm sorry go but ahead still, if the boss man says i need her alive you need to impress upon your people the importance of what he says, which he does. He has said that he said that he did it. But this was the funny thing about that scene. So they bring Bobby Terry to flag. It's Lloyd and it's Julie and it's two other um, two other security people. And they're the ones that's carrying the judge's body bag. So they're in the elevator and Bobby Terry is just talking about, yo, you know, she drew on me. What was I supposed to do? Let this old ass lady, you know, da da da. And and Lloyd is basically like, dude, you couldn't de-escalate this. Like you, you got threatened <laughs> by a sixty-year-old lady, really. And he's just sitting there, just kind of like, whatever. Like, then she says she was a federal judge. Like, like I'm supposed to care. Blah blah blah. <laughs> so and and Lloyd is sitting there like Bobby Terry, Bobby Terry, Bobby Terry. He's like, idiot. <laughs> You need to you need to show a little remorse. So what happens is they go to Flag, and Flag sees that the judge is dead, and he start having a conversation. He's like, "Did Lloyd not tell you the importance of bringing her alive?" And he says something about yes. Oh no! The first thing that happens. So Bobby Terry is hopeful that this is not the spy. And Randall, Flag, yeah, maybe it's not even her. Yeah, he's like, oh no, it's her. So when he said that, Julie and Lloyd took a step back. Like, took step oh, back. oh, this is about to be good. He was like, she didn't even come come from Boulder. She came on the other side. He's like, you don't. Lloyd think was like, uh, I was smart enough to right not to come from not that come side. From the obvious direction. <laughs> so they're having this conversation, Flag and Bobby Terry, and he was like, did Lloyd not impress upon you the importance of bringing her alive? And Lloyd said, I told him. He was like. I, 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 he kept talking, he was like, but I did tell him not to. I, I did. T I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry for interrupting. Right. I'm sorry for interrupting. And so Flag was like, see, Lloyd made a mistake. He apologized. How hard is that? He was like, so. And then Bobby Terry was like, I apologize. I'm sorry. He was like, you're sorry for what? And it's almost like Bobby Terry is getting really tired of doing this little song and dance. So he starts making like these smart ass comments. And when he does, Lloyd and Julie, they take a couple more steps back and Julie puts her head in her hand like, oh, fuck, what is he doing? So then at the end of this conversation, Bobby Terry flips off flag, turns around and, and walks up like swaggers out the room. And then he locks the room with the chain, with the belt chain that's around his waist. So Lloyd and Julie and all them, they're like, oh, <laughs> like it's about to be on so this is when flag like basically you know he comes to the elevator where bobby terry is and he literally rips him apart so when he gets out the elevator he says uh what does he say my my apologies to housekeeping yeah because he's he's covered in blood it right he's, blood all over blood. The elevator. he's pulled out bobby terry's heart like there's holes in bobby terry like he, he was ripping out his neck torn out his flesh and so Rat Woman 
gets on the um, radio and she's like, we need six, send me six of your best guys to come clean this up and make sure one of them is the big guy, you know, Mr. M-O-O-N. And as soon as Flag hears this, he stops and Lloyd is over on the side like, there was something I was supposed to do about something about I was supposed to know about it. M O O. What? What about the? Mo- and I was like, Lloyd is not supposed to be this stupid. <laughs> but it didn't matter because Flag heard it. He was just like, "Where can I find this, Mister Moon?" And right before this, when they were heading up to take Bobby Terry to Flag, they had to come through the basement. And this is where they have the bodies. They start, they load the bodies up from the fights, the pit fights, and put them on trucks so they can take them out into the desert and bury them. So Tom Cullen sees Julie walking with the group and he remembers her from his encounter with Rick, with Nick. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point he was like, oh, this is not good because he remembers <laughs> that she tried to shoot him. She tried to shoot him. So mm-hmm. after he loads the bodies on the truck, he climbs up in the truck and disguise, and you know, hides himself with the bodies to hide from them. And he does this just as they come into the basement looking for him. So Flag has sent his people to look for Tom Cullen. And, you know, while his people are looking for him in the basement, two guys take the truck out into the desert to bury the bodies. And Tom Cullen happens to see the moon while he's riding in the back of the truck. And that was supposed to be his sign for him to start making his way back to Boulder. So I don't know how he's going to do this now. He's on the back of a truck with dead bodies with two guys. So I don't know if he's going to have to kill them to be on his way or what. But again, that's something that they changed from the original because in the original story, Tom Cullen was never found out like Randall Flagg never found out about him Mm-mm. you know and it's like when he tried to um when he tried to look into Dana's mind to see what you know who the other spy was all he could see was a picture of the moon and that frustrated him but when the full moon came up Tom Cullen saw it and that was when he knew to start traveling back and I mean he traveled back on bicycle so mm-hmm. he did what he was supposed to do. So I don't know how they're going to do this with this one because if Tom Cullen is in the middle of the desert with this truck, he doesn't have any of his stuff with him. He doesn't have his bike. He doesn't have anything. So again, I don't know how they're going to do this. I don't know why they had to change that part of the story. I mean, it didn't add to the story. So it's just kind of like, why make the change? Yeah, just... Uh. It's just one of those things. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make sense in the end, you know? Because he's got about eight 800 miles to get to Boulder. So I'm, I'm amazed that he was able to ride a bike that far. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> he, has a, he has a long way to go. Boulder, it's not like, it's not like 100 miles. It's literally almost 800 miles. Right. But I mean, we could see from when we saw the scene with the with the judge, um, she was in a hotel room and she was marking off the days to when she gets to Vegas. And on her calendar, she had about three weeks worth of days marked off. So when they staggered, they like really staggered. So there's no telling how long Tom had even been in Vegas before Dana got there. Right, no, but we don't know. We don't know how, how how long does it take to get from Boulder 
to Las Vegas on a bicycle. I don't know. And Tom is not, uh, he's not, um, what was that biker's name? The one who they banned for life for using the drugs. I can't think of right now, but he's not doing the Tour de France. You know, oh, Lance Armstrong. Lance, he's not Lance Armstrong. Right. <laughs> he's not doing 800. That's going to take a minute. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's a change that I guess there's going to be a payoff for it, hopefully. Um, I also think that a lot of this had to do with showing us that Flag wasn't all powerful. Like he has his limits. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he wasn't able to figure out who the other spy was. Um, he didn't know enough to either get judge judge the judge on his own mm-hmm. or just send Lloyd to do it or just tell them let her in just let her in like they didn't really necessarily have to bring her straight to him just let her in mm-hmm. and Lloyd could have been like oh Mr. Flag wants to see you and brought her up I mean there's so many other things they could have done besides have a confrontation right so, so Flag is not omniscient. He's not all powerful. He's not all knowing. He he makes mistakes. You know, he makes <laughs> he put Lloyd in charge. <laughs> the clown I mistake just, number one. Again, yeah. we talked about this the last episode when I talked about Dana and talked about you know even how they're doing. Friend, character assassination, character decimation. It's just. <laughs> this is not what this character is supposed to be. Yeah. But. I think you saw, I, I think, I'm hoping, I don't think, I hope that all of this is going to pay off. Um, um, hopefully that the changes that they've made are going to justify the change at the end of the story. I don't know. I think at this point... I don't know. I think I'm just kind of hate watching it from this point. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm still holding on for dear life. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm holding still, on. Like you said, they've pretty much relegated Stu to a second, you know, a secondary character. Fran's character, you know, I didn't like her in the beginning of the show. I kind of sort of liked her a little bit in the third, maybe fourth episode. And it's gotten to where I don't like her character again. Like, and I don't know if it's just because of the character. I don't know if it's because of the actress playing the character. What was that fake crying scene? Like, I said, I watched that episode twice. No tears. No. It was just, you, you do, you overdo this, this, this monologue to Harold about the people who care for you. We're still here and blah. Y'all don't give a shit about Harold. <laughs> you never have. Like literally, again, I'm gonna bring it up. He sat there with you at a dinner and lied about a scenario where you did something nice for him and you were so so out of it that you didn't even remember that he was lying. Like that's such a uh I don't even know. That's like having that's such a high opinion to to have of yourself that you are so good that oh yeah you did this nice thing for this kid that you can't stand and you 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 know 
and it didn't even it didn't even happen and you you were so full of it that you didn't even realize that he was describing a scenario that never happened i just uh just i just uh i'm just not no yeah yeah i don't know we we have three episodes left and like i said i i think for me the show has i i had basically given up on anything pretty much <laughs> dealing with this show at the beginning of this episode but towards the end i started i guess i started having this retrospective like maybe after talking to you know the person i'm <laughs> living with only really gets me on marriage i after talking with her i was saying you know what there is some value here if she likes it and she's as critical as we are <laughs> you know yes, i she's, know she's as harsh and as critical as we are and she's saying like yeah i i kind of like this and and she listens to the podcast so she's like why are you even watching it with me like <laughs> at this point it's just kind of like <laughs> i so, mean we've gotten um, far it, it one it will feel really weird to have talked about half a show and then to just leave it because there are other people who are listening to this podcast who have discussed it with me and I don't want them to feel like oh they just dropped off like, <laughs> like but it's no. so weird because I don't I'm one of those people like I can be critical about a show or a movie but I will still find some value in it and watch it and enjoy it and it's just Again, because this was my favorite book for so long and this story was a favorite of mine, I just feel so horribly let down by what they're doing with this story and with these characters. But at the same time, because this is a story that I loved for so long, I feel, I almost feel like I'm obligated to finish this out to the end, even if I don't like it. Like, because at this point now, if I stop watching it, I'm always going to wonder what happened to the end. Like, what did they end up doing at the yeah. end? Like, yeah. I feel like I have to follow through till the end, whether I fall in love with it from this point, whether I tolerate it from this point, or whether I just absolutely hate it from this point. I'm stuck. I can't do anything else. And you, I don't you, want it to seem like I'm just always complaining because if anybody listens to any of the other 41 episodes that we've done of this show, I can get very enthusiastic about the stuff I like. I think this is probably the first show that I have ever talked about. And I've been podcasting now for 11 years. I can't remember talking about a show this bad except for shadow hunters and i only got through an episode and a half of that show before i was like no i'm done which oddly enough cat mcnamara is in that too but oddly enough i I could no i just at this point see i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna go back i'm gonna i'm gonna go back on something i said i said the show went off the rails for me this episode you know i'm gonna take that back actually after I got past the trash can man stuff, I found I found that I actually care about Larry and Nadine. And I'm gonna hang the rest of the season on that. I'm I'm, I'm I wanna see where that relationship is going because I think that that is going to be 
important. It's not going anywhere. She's headed. She's headed to flag. I think it's going to become important. We know in what, the end. Uh, They've changed so, the ending. They've changed the ending. They said that it's not going to be the same. So we can't base ending. it on what Nadine didn't we, even make it to the end. We can't <laughs> base. We can't base the ending on what we already know about the previous iterations of this story. This adaptation, they've already prepared us by saying that the end is going to be different and we need to prepare ourselves for that. So I'm hoping, and I'm I'm watching this with hope that we're going to get some payoff on all these questionable decisions that they've made and and we'll see what happens. I'm still going to figure out how they're going to get Tom to walk 800 miles <laughs> back to Boulder. Be honestly, I I I'm sure that they're probably on the way to Boulder. If they're going to continue with that, they'll probably pick up Tom on the way to Boulder. And I, I think that's where we're we're headed with that because I can't envision any scenario where Tom is going to walk all the way back to Boulder to report. It's 800 freaking miles. Well, if I remember correctly, he will again. This this change. This will change. This has changed in the book. He started out on bike, and then I think he did walk for a while. And then um, in the original story, he came across Stu because Stu Stu got hurt mm-hmm. and was you know sidelined. They hold up in a lodge because a blizzard came and then after the blizzard kind of settled down they found a way to i think it was a, like a snow plow or something they they started one up and then Stu drove them back to boulder in the snowmobile so again i don't know how that's going to change for this one um but <sighs> okay before before we sign off on this um, let's talk about this explosion for a second. The explosion at the house. Yeah. The bomb was filled with ball bearings and nails. Mm-hmm. Okay. It obliterated the house. Mm-hmm. Those, if anyone knows anything about IEDs, if you watch Swordfish, if you've ever seen Swordfish, they have a brilliant scene where the bomb goes off and you see the ball bearings go in every direction. Some of those people were basically incinerated that I just saw it again on TV. Yeah. And if the debris is hitting you like it was hitting Stu and Fran in the buttocks, the ball bearings is probably hitting them too. It did, I don't think in reality, I know this is a TV show, but we got to have a little bit of reality, you know, mm-hmm. believability. Ain't no way anyone within 20, 30 feet of that house is going to survive. And it looked like Fran and Stu were within that general area of the house. Yeah, but they're, they're not going to kill them off at this They're not going to kill them off. I'm just saying. How many changes they've made. I'm they're just saying. Kill those two off at this point. I'm just saying it just... I needed for them to be further away. Yeah. <laughs> because the other people were flying and they weren't they were just as close as they were. So yeah. unless there was someone backstage, you know, pulling the strings, which could be a possibility. 
But I'm 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 gonna hold I'm gonna hold my final and last judgment until the bitter end because I'm hoping and and believing that some of these some of these decisions are gonna pay off. It, they just have to. Okay, then you're gonna be hoping and believing for the both of us because at this point, like I said, I'm just. I'm just here to see it through to the end. At this point, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not invested in the story. I'm not invested in the characters, except for maybe Joe. <laughs> At this you point, know what else was like a throwaway line that just kind of like what what was the point when Mother Abigail told called him Satan and he was like, you know, that's not my name. I have many names. And he said, you know, I'm Legion, I'm Legion for we are many. Uh-huh. Oh, come on. I'm just saying, just don't. Yeah. Just don't. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to hold out hope okay. on myself if I have to. <laughs> well, Anthony's going to hold out hope for the both of us. <laughs> and I'm just here to see it through to the end. So uh, I don't... I don't think I have anything else to say about this episode. I do like the, um, as far as the introduction to Trash Can Man, I did like when he met with Flag and Flag said, look at all of the, well, I think it was in the vision. He said, look at what I can give you. And they start going through, you know, the dialogue from the book as far as Trash Can. Hey, you know, hey, Flash, I heard you. Or hey, Trash, I heard you set Old Lady Simples, you know, Checked on fire and yeah. and you can see like the different visuals and i thought that part was really cool mm-hmm. you know that was i'm gonna be honest that was probably the best part of the whole show for me so far <laughs> was yeah, the- that little montage of the you know of the bodies burning and then mm-hmm. the, the different weird visuals kind of going to, it, it was kind of reminiscent to me of the intro of true blood funnily enough mm. you know? where you see like the animals decaying and it's like in fast forward. It, it kind of reminded mm. me of that. But other than that, I was just kind of like, okay. So I don't know. I guess, I guess that's it for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Please leave your comments. Please leave comments. Please we would leave really like comments. to hear. I just want to, I just want to hear from listeners. Like, am I being overly hard on the show yeah. and, and don't let our our you know biases and and things take away from your enjoyment of the show because that's what i heard from the person who lives with me who i'm re- related to by marriage you know i i don't want to ever try to take away someone else's what is it they say don't yuck someone's yummy i don't want to do that <laughs> I'm I'm just here to tell you my opinion about the show and how I feel about the show. I, I if if you like it, you like it. Right. I, I believe everyone ha- can have their own opinion about the show, and I'm not trying to influence you in any way. I'm just here to tell you that. Right. I'm right. not caring for it so far. Right. And so, we'll just have to see. <laughs> yeah. So again, any any people that are listening, if you are, if you are fans of the original book. In the original series, I am curious to see like what other people are thinking about this version of the show. Like, do you like it? Do you hate it? Are you okay with the changes? I just want to see what other people's opinions are because, you know, listening to you talk about 
what Michelle said as far as her not being a fan of the book or her not having read the book and then her not remembering the original miniseries, she's looking at this with almost virgin eyes. So mm-hmm. she's getting a different experience from it because she's not expecting anything from it. She doesn't have any preset expectations. So, yeah, like like when I said, I because when I told her we were not going to be doing the podcast and I said, you know what? We can watch it tomorrow. She shot me this, that it would have been Friday because it came out Thursday and it was Thursday evening. I said, we can watch it tomorrow so we don't have to stay up so late. She shot me this look. <laughs> like, how dare you? Dare you. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. We'll watch it right now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that, right. That's where she is. Okay. She, it, it's not coming out fast enough for her. She really okay. enjoys it. Okay. So, well, there are people out there who like, like it and I want to hear from them. And maybe, maybe her liking it will give her, you know, maybe it'll make her interested enough to go and read the book. Because I think at this point, if she, watching the 94 version now, if you've never seen it after you watch this version. It's not going to work. It's it's not going to work. It's going to be cheesy. It's going to be corny. It's, I mean, it's just, it's dated. It came out in 1994. So it's going to be dated. She may not enjoy it as much. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see other people's take on it. But I can just say the conversations that I've had on Twitter, like when I posted some of my opinions about the show on Twitter, I've not had one person respond to me and tell me that they disagreed with me. (laughs) So I'm just saying. Yeah, I I know. I just wanted out there, if if you like the show, we're not going to shame you. No, We want to hear from you. Yeah. Because so. I, I think it's always interesting to hear a different opinion. That's what we're here for. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah. <laughs> this, we'll see. We have, three, we have three episodes left. So we'll see. I, I am curious to see how they're going to end this story. Especially since Flag has pretty much told trash can man where to go and what to get how is that going to change the overall ending you know i don't know i guess we'll see so three episodes left but for now that is our show you can find us online at fandomhybrid.com we are on social media on facebook instagram and twitter at fandom hybrid You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time.